Preface to the Influence of Monarchs by Frederick Adam Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings from the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey. The Influence of Monarchs. Steps in the New Science of History by Frederick Adams Woods, M.D. Lecturer in Biology in the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Author of Mental and Moral Hereditary in Royalty. Copyright 1913 by the Macmillan Company. Set up in a letter typed, published May 1913. To the memory of my mother. Preface. In 1902, I brought together and rearranged under a single interrelated group the main historical statements concerning some 3,000 members of royal and noble families, with the double purpose of measuring the force of hereditary against circumstances and of making a beginning in the systematic analysis of historical causation. The summary of that research was published in 12 papers under the title Mental and Moral Hereditary and Royalty, which appeared in the Popular Science Monthly, August 1902 through April 1903, and afterwards, New York, H. Holt and Co., 1906, in book form, somewhat amplified and reinforced. The present volume is the first application of the methods of historical measurement, histrometry, to the larger questions of national growth and decline. It has long been recognized in a general way that many nations have had their eras of splendor and decay, but these transformations have never been represented with definiteness and completeness. One could never place one's finger upon a specific date and say that about here the decline began in such and such a special feature, or that another point a minor way of progress rose upon a downward slope, or at some other point there was a pause in a general advance. For this reason, the mere tabulation of economic and political movements in modern Europe has a value of its own. This forms a line of departure from which journeys can be made into the more fascinating domain of historical causation. And whether such explorations do or do not meet their goal, discussions of this nature must always proceed from some such widely collected series of simple and easily verified facts. Beginning from the 10th to the 16th centuries, and carrying the study as far as the time of the French Revolution, there are two series of historical changes presented in this work. The first concerns itself with the successive alterations in the material conditions of the 14 European countries which have been made the subject of comparative study. The second concerns itself with the personalities of the monarchs themselves, whose mental and moral characteristics are here summarized in brief. The history of these 14 countries furnishes 368 reigns or periods. These are matched against the personalities of the monarchs, and parallel columns are formed. Only very rarely has the nation progressed in its political and economic aspects, save under the leadership of a strong sovereign. It is indeed strange that so plain and simple a truth has never been dwelt upon before. There are, moreover, cogent reasons for believing that the monarchs have, to a very large extent, caused the changing conditions and not the reverse, that the monarchs have been the product of the environment in which they lived. If the differences among the kings of history whose varying types range all the way from imbecility to genius and from bestiality to heroism are in their essence caused by qualities contained in and carried by the germ plasm from which they have been engendered and if these differences among rulers have been of such transient importance and the master key of history is hereditary that the genealogical method should furnish the clue to the successful interpretation of history is not at all surprising since the genealogical interpretation is the only correct interpretation for natural history, i.e., all classifications of animals and plants are based upon descent. 
in the managenesis of human affairs neither hereditary nor personality are everything but they go so far towards being everything that they may well be made the first forms to be measured and as the extent of these ceaseless and omnipresent forces is appreciated the presence of contrary forces can also be ascertained this the second volume has methods and aims on the whole different from the first it does not deal with precisely the same branches of royal genealogical trees that some dynasties appear in both studies this has given opportunity to here and there remold a personal characterization each of these researches has been made thoroughly inclusive as far as it has gone with definite limits as to outline dates the outposts once fixed every individual possible and every brain possible has been included in the judgments thus the first and most elementary necessity for the avoidance of self-deception is at once achieved and to pick instances favourable to their preconceived theory becomes impossible whatever difficulties may lie ahead in the way of successful conviction one chief difficulty is avoided this error arising from conscious or unconscious bias towards a personal a priori point of view is i believe principal reason why the philosophers of history have left no heritage to their successors and have thereby forfeited a general respect even though the limits of time the data of posts are rigidly fixed and all instances are considered one after another in systematic succession there still remains some danger of fallacy from bias the interpreter may prevent each individual instance and also he cannot escape the deviation from strict truth incidental to historical record even in the sources themselves but any scheme which is able to override a good portion of these difficulties can claim the name of science since science is a relative term and many of the so-called exact sciences are only approximations even the measurements of astronomy are only approximately correct and the classifications of organic species is being constantly shifted the most exact natural sciences of today were once very inexact but as soon as they began to show the spirit of science they deserted its name and their early efforts which today seem crude are just as willingly given a place when the history of its development is reviewed the present attempt to make history scientific to find correlations and to weigh causes must be measured by what has preceded it and so measured it will be found that no forerunner exists for which it can either feel envy or from which it can receive aid in the present volume i have kept on the safe side by conceding to the opposed point of view the doubtful cases in this way i have measured not so much the full instance of monarchs as their lower limit of influence history at its best is teeming with minor errors no record is indeed to prove this but any assertion that history is too full of errors to lend itself to scientific treatment is a gratuitous assumption unsupported by proof the coordinated results of this volume and of its earlier companion are themselves the proof that such an assertion is ill-founded for if it were well-founded then orderly reciprocal interlocking results could not be obtained what i have been able to get i have got in spite of the errors of history and the grasping of this principle which i explained at length in the second chapter is a sine qua non of any intelligent criticism or the method i have called histrometry and which i hope will more and more furnish a better balanced judgment of historical values sociology and psychology and eugenics as well as economics and political science need all the aid they can get from the long-established laboratory of experimental evolution known as human life and that account of individual and natural experience known as history frederick adam woods brooklyn massachusetts february 1913 end of preface